Can a Major League Baseball manager's worth really be quantified? Plus, David Ross's contract expires after the 2022 season. Is it time for a re-up now? Locked on Cubs, coming at ya. You are Locked on Cubs, your daily Chicago Cubs podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Welcome into Locked On Cubs. Good morning to you, and most importantly, happy, happy Thursday. This is Andrew Bellison. You're listening to Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for taking the time each and every a.m. to make us your first listen of the day. We rise early here at Locked On, and I know you do too. Love starting the day together with you. Please join us on social at Chicago Cubs PA at Locked On Cubs. Those are our Twitter handles. Love to engage with you about the Cubs, baseball, whatever's on your mind. Shoot it at us. It's a great way to interact with each other, respectfully, of course. Really, really awesome stuff today. I feel um, we're going to dive into a few great interview guests that we have next week. Just a little teaser. Also going to talk lockout next week. It's been a while. It's been uh, several shows since we touched on it, and it's been 30 days, and there has been nothing going on. So not a ton to talk about, but some some new dealings that we'll that we'll touch on uh, next week for that. So just a little teaser. For today, though, our greatest player to where each number in the history of the Cubs rolls on, our count up, I'll call it, instead of our countdown. David Ross nearing the end of his deal already, believe it or not. This is year three of a three-year contract that he signed um, after Joe Madden and the Cubs parted ways. Should he be re-upped now? Or do we need 2022 to judge his tenure thus far? Thus far, excuse me, I want to get into that a little bit. But first, speaking of managers, and it's always a a hot button debate about what's a manager's worth to the respective club in which they work. How quantifiable is something like that? Can you put a number? figure or a value on a manager's worth to their club. I I don't know. It's a great debate because you have these teams, you know, you say like, oh, the 32 Yankees, you or I could hop in the dugout and manage that club to a World Series tomorrow because they're going to take care of business themselves. That's true. Then you got these clubs that kind of teeter on, boy, we didn't even think they were going to be competitive this year. They end up squeaking out 89-some wins, make the playoffs. Do you tip your cap to the manager, or do individual players need that credit, or is it a combination of the both? I am not really sure. So I did a little research on the back end here for Lockdown Cubs and looked at a manager like former Cubs skipper Joe Madden, okay? X's and O's and game plan on the field are one thing. But when you have all the other intangibles that a guy like him 
like him has. And I kind of feel like David Ross is cut from that same mold, having been around Joe for so long also, and being a catcher, and we'll delve into that later, catchers as managers. It just works for whatever reason. But all those intangibles, you know, the mental approach that Joe had, that veteran leadership, off-the-field activities, you know, flamingos and barnyard animals and dress-up days. It all goes into the whole package, right? So how do you quantify all that between on the field and off and the surroundings and the clubhouse and managing a group of 25 guys? Long story short, several years ago, uh, probably six or seven now, John Shepard of Camden Depot conducted a study. And I found this is one of the only ways, and I air quote this, to quantify um, how you can value a manager. So this was an evaluation of managers. So again, this goes back a few years, so it's slightly dated, but the premise remains the same and the results were really cool. So here's kind of how this went down. He compared projected records to actual records for every team since 2003 and then figured out how many wins each manager was above or below the preseason projection. Okay. And for these projections, he staggered them a little bit from different sources to kind of make it a more level playing field, so to speak. Um, so he used baseball prospectus, Pakota projections for a good chunk of the years, Marcel for a couple, and then zips for a couple as well. So going into this, I know what you're already saying. First of all, how exact is this? Or there's too many intangibles that are going to affect the outcome of this. And you're right. I mean, if Clayton Kershaw blows his shoulder out on opening day for the Dodgers in 2018, then Dave Roberts, this is going to go on Dave Roberts' record, even though that's something he completely cannot control which is is 100% true. But this just gives us a baseline kind of to consider, because otherwise, how do you measure this at all without some sort of formula here? So back to the Madden conversation, because this was just a great example. I love him as a manager. I loved him as a person. I always thought that his baseball philosophies translated to life so well. And I just kind of kind of like the He's a real enlightened cat. I just kind of like what he was all about. So back to the Madden conversation, though, for a minute. He took Tampa to the World Series with literally no payroll. He won here in Chicago after, you know, 108 years. So check this out. This is somewhat surprising, but this is a great example. Stay tuned for this. Going from 2006 to 2013, so this would have been a good chunk of his Tampa tenure. This was what the projections uh, for Madden under this theory that John Shepard put together would look like. 2006, year by year, 61 wins for real versus 69 projected. So Joe was actually negative eight in 2006, according to John's little rating scale. The following year, 2007, 66 wins versus 78 projected, so minus 12. Then he turned the corner in 08, 97 actual wins versus 89 projected, so plus eight. He was minus seven the next year in 2009, back to a plus six in 2010 and 2011 then 2012 90 wins for real compared to 93 projected so a minus three and then in 2014 92 actual wins versus a, a preseason projection of 88 so a plus four so overall from 2006 to 2013 joe madden's time in tampa bay a minus six overall on this scale 
preseason projections from those groups that we mentioned compared to actual wins overall, minus six for Madden during that time. So, surprised? Yeah, I was. And that, that was my point of doing this. I wanted to pick a guy who we knew had success at multiple levels in two very different market sizes, with a payroll once, without a payroll the other, took both teams to the World Series, won one. We know he's a hell of a good manager, one of the best in the game, still is in Anaheim, uh, in L.A., rather. So this was a good fit with a Cubs connection to take a look at. And honestly, a minus six overall, just going back from his Tampa time. Now, we could do the Cubs separately. Wasn't really that good by the numbers, according to the scale John Shepard set out to quantify the, the value of a major league manager to his team. So are you surprised? Is the system flawed? Absolutely, it's flawed. I mean, can you measure a manager's worth? I, I guess the answer in the end of, of our scientific experiment here today is not really. But. At the same time, though, that's not true, because if you go and talk to the players that play for him and talk to those that surround him every day, the media that cover him, it's the eye test. And in baseball, when you put the sabermetrics aside and the trying to value something and quantifying something and throw all that to the wayside, sometimes it's the eye test that just works. That will give you the final answer. What you see is what you get. And it's an old school approach. But in, in this case, I think we all know Joe Madden projects a lot better than the rankings that we gave him in terms of his ability and success as a major league manager. Now, with all that said, David Ross is now done with two of three years of his contract with the Chicago Cubs. Should he be re-upped now? Or is 2022 a defining year to see whether he deserves an extension? Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And if you haven't had one, I suggest you give it a try. Because it is the new year. And if you are about resolutions in life, I don't mean my Cubs resolutions from the last couple of days. I mean resolutions in life. Maybe it's about getting fit or eating healthier. If that's the case, Built Bar has to be part of your plan. It makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so darn good. You're going to want to eat it. And unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky or waxy or taste like a chemical spill, Built Bars are actually really, really good. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets boring. You know, by week three, you're like, oh my gosh, this stinks. My wife and I haven't eaten meat for probably 10 years, and we try to eat a lot of raw, and, and we're very diet conscious, et cetera. But it's, sometimes we're to the point where, oh, man, this again? feel like you eat the same three things over and over and over again. I know you know what I'm talking about. Built Bars mostly contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs, totally different. Good for you. Tastes good, too. Check them out today. Go to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. It's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. LOCKED15 on Built.com to try Built Bar today. I'm Andrew Bellison. This is Locked on Cubs. We return right away. Welcome back in, everybody. This is Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Sports Network. 
Great to have you with us here on a Thursday morning. Happy, happy Thursday to you. I want to thank you. Seriously, I say it every day, and I promise you this is no fluey. From the bottom of my heart, Locked on Cubs does not exist without you. I took over a show that already existed. You make the show go. I'm just here for the ride. And I thank you so much for making us your first listen each and every morning. It means the world to me. I love spending my mornings with you talking Cubs, talking baseball, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Wherever you're at, in the car, on the way to work, taking the train, maybe you're on your way uh, somewhere for vacation. If you are, have fun. Tune in, download it. Show us where you're listening to Lockdown Cubs because I'd love to see it. At Chicago Cubs PA, at Lockdown Cubs on Twitter. Engage with me. Let's talk. Be respect, respectful of each other's opinions, but, man, I love to interact with Cubs fans and baseball fans. So please, please, please reach out. So we've come to the realization then, after looking at John Shepard's somewhat primitive study, that you truly cannot value a manager based purely on the numbers. And I think we kind of knew that going in, but it was a fun activity to look through nonetheless. We proved that briefly. So how do you judge a manager then? And and with that said, does David Ross deserve an extension now with one year left on his original three-year deal that he signed with the Cubs before the 2020 season? So remember, took the Cubs to the playoffs in 2020 in the COVID-shortened year. Then last year, obviously, we all know how things went. The team was dismantled. And, and to be honest, David probably did some of his best work after the deadline with the piecemeal roster. So anyway, long story short, they're rebuilding back up, still have some holes to fill, which they'll do post-lockout. And this is year three. So has he done enough to show that he deserves an extension beyond 2022 or do we need to see him push some buttons in 2022 to warrant an extension beyond that season? Um, the answer to that question, and I'm just going to flat out say it is absolutely not. David Ross deserves an extension now. He has nothing to prove to me in 2022 to warrant an extension past then. I give him that extension now. I want David Ross as the skipper of this club for many, many years to come. And, and here's why. He was handpicked as a big part of this team's plan moving forward. He had ties to the organization. He had ties to the city of Chicago. He's forever in our hearts as fans, right, as part of the World Series run. And this was just kind of a logical next step to bring him back in the dugout and let him do his thing. I've always said this. The situation that he was put into was unenviable, to say the least. Um, it's. I don't want to say lose-lose, but you're taking over a championship roster that was on the back end, bound for dismantling, which is exactly what happened. So what you're left with is a group that maybe you didn't sign up for, and it's back to square one when you're trying to prove yourself as a young manager working with a roster that might be a little less talented than some around the league. That's a tough task. I mean, he walked into this knowing that it probably was not going to be easy, as did Jed Hoyer, taking over the president role, finding a new GM, kind of starting over, but not rebuilding. Can we call it that? 
So David Ross was put in a situation that was going to be tough. He found success in 2020 and made the playoffs, even though they got bumped. Last year, obviously, again, we know we know the story. Here's what's interesting. Um, teams are allowed to negotiate with coaches and managers during the lockout. So he, there's a good chance that potentially maybe there's already a handshake deal in place. We have heard here at Lockdown Cubs that there was communication going back as far, albeit briefly, back as far as the end of last baseball season. So take it back to the fall of 2021 between David and the Cubs about extension-wise. Jed Hoyer has really made no secret about it, that he wants David to be in the dugout for the Cubs, but nothing has materialized, at least towards the media, that a deal is in place or is imminent right now. Like I said, maybe there's already a handshake deal done. News out of Wrigley has mentioned that the sides met briefly. Could a deal be announced after the CBA is hashed out? Maybe that's possible. I mean, it's a bad look right now, I suppose, if you come out and say we've extended David Ross, which is great. I think I don't think anybody would have an issue with that. I think Cubs fans would be very excited about that. But given the state of the game, let's hash out this CBA first, get the lockout unlocked, and then go ahead with the good news. What we've extended our manager, David Ross, for another two years. I, listen, I'm the first one in line. I love David Ross. I love the player. I love the person. I love him as skipper of the Cubs. I think he's the perfect fit for this job. So I do want to see an extension. I think he deserves it now. I don't think he has anything to prove in 2022 to get that extension. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when the lockout is lifted. Maybe the deal's already in place, potentially even. And we'll find out that news shortly after the lockout ends. Possibly. We'll see. David is the perfect guy to lead this club in my opinion. He knows the organization. He's a former catcher. Like I said, ties to Chicago. He's really proven himself in a short year and his first full season last year. It's his job to lose in his next contract, in my opinion. He's already earned the next deal. It's his job to lose in that next deal should things go go sour. That's just that's just where I stand on that. This is somewhat irrelevant, but not really. It's interesting to me, and I think you'll agree with this. Catchers translate to great MLB managers. And my logic about wanting to offer Ross an extension now has nothing to do with the fact that he was a catcher. But it's just so interesting to me the success catchers have when they become skippers of major league teams. And so many major league managers are or were catchers in a previous life. I sat down with Jody Davis several years ago and talked to him um, about this. And he had a few things to say about why catchers and their skill set translates so well to leading a major league baseball club. He mentioned that they're involved in every play of the game. Eyes are always towards the field where essentially every other player has their back to the field, for lack of a better term. You're the play caller there behind the home plate. You got the whole field in front of you. They get to know every hitter on the opposing team because they're working one-on-one -on -one with their battery mate against a whole lineup 
from the other dugout. So they know they need to know top to bottom league wide. He also said they get to know the pitching staff better than anyone, even better than the pitching coach, because they're the ones hands on with those guys throughout the course of 162 game season. And he also said they essentially are the unofficial advisors to the manager because they see the entire game. That's the manager's right-hand man. Jody, obviously, great catcher in Cubs history. One of our favorites, right, was the um, Louisville Bats manager, AAA for the Cincinnati Reds at the time of, of he, and I, he and I speaking about this. So really interesting perspective from a great major league catcher turned manager as well. Well, David Ross, another one, really good catcher turned really good manager here in Chicago. Listen to this list. I mean, listen to some of these, and I know I'm leaving guys out, but listen to this list of major league catchers that turned into managers. Brad Hosmus, Ned Yost, Mike Sosha, great one. Joe Girardi, Bob Melvin, Joe Madden, John Gibbons, Freddie Gonzalez, Mike Redmond, Clint Hurdle, Bruce Bochy, phenomenal manager all those years with the Giants and Padres. Joe Torrey, Bob Brenly, World Series winner. Bob Melvin, Scott Service now in Seattle. David Ross, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's something to this. Is it irrelevant? Maybe a little bit, but it's kind of fun and just something that, you know, is 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 worth taking a second look at. Well, Cubs got their catcher, their former catcher, now current skipper. Lock him up beyond 2022. He deserves it. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. So sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus off your first deposit. Just use our promo code. It's locked on, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, all to your favorite Vegas casino games, they have it all. Don't wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online where... The game starts. Jersey count up continues next. Happy Thursday to you back in on Locked On Cubs, part of the Locked On Sports Net, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Excuse me. Andrew Bellison with you at Chicago Cubs PA at Locked On Cubs on Twitter. Always great to have you with us. I wish I could see your smiling face this morning. I hope you have a wonderful Thursday, first and foremost. And thank you for tuning in to us and making us, Locked on Cubs, your first listen each and every morning. Spending the morning together with you guys is the highlight of my day. Started at zero with uniform number zero. Nobody's ever worn it till this year. Marcus Stroman will. We're up to 66, the best player to wear 66 in Cubs history. Remember this one? Short-lived but fun, Munenori Kawasaki appeared in 14 games for the 2016 World Champion Cubs, hitting 333 in a bench roll. How about the best number 67 to ever wear a Cubby uniform? It's Suyoshi Wada. He wore number 67 in 2014. The lefty had a three-and-a-quarter ERA in 13 starts for the Cubs. This is a guy we talked about yesterday as maybe a potential reunion fit for a power bat in 2022 and beyond. How about Jorge Soler? 
Big outfield prospect for the Cubs, part of that 2016 World Championship team. Traded to the Royals for Wade Davis, clubbed 1,000 home runs, played for the Braves in the series last year back at Wrigley. Maybe Wade Davis, the best number 71 to ever play for the Cubs. Yeah, we skipped a couple. No 69 or 70. Nobody's ever done it. Saved 32 games with a 230. ERA in an all-star year for the Cubs in 2017. How about the best number 72? This is Robert Machado. Catcher spent parts of 2000 and 2001 with the Northsiders. And the best number 73, current Cub, Adbert Alzali. Pitching prospect broke in in the majors in 2019. 295 ERA in six games in 20. I look for really big things rebounding from injury, et cetera, et cetera, from him in 2022. And I think he's going to be a big part of the back end of that Cubs rotation uh, and or swing man, long man out of the bullpen. But we'll see how all of that shakes out. I'd like to ask you to make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets. It's your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. As I said, some very special guests lined up interview-wise in the coming few shows. Also going to dive deep into the lockout as well. What's been talked about, what hasn't been talked about. Has anything happened in the 30 days since the league shut down? This is Locked On Cubs. Thank you for being with us. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Andrew Bellison. Have a great, great Thursday. See you, everybody.